everyone! Welcome back to My Sister Made Me View at the Roswell 1999 edition. I am one of your co-hosts, Emily, and... And I am one of your other co-hosts. We haven't done this in a while. How do we do an introduction? <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I was literally just doing the unspoiled podcast introduction. <laughs> and also the Grey's Academy introduction. I'm so sorry. Please, you finish the whole thing that we do for our podcast. I was just about to say, like, I should be doing the dishes. And my name is Megan, and I should be washing my hair. But instead... Instead... We're making a podcast. We're making a podcast. Nicely done. Well done. Good job. Thank you. I know it's I know it's so hard for me now to act like a common podcaster when I'm such a huge TikTok star. <laughs> yes, Megan, do you want to fill us in on what's been going on? Uh, so one of my Magnus Archives videos from two months ago just crossed a million views this week. Yay! Good job, Megan! Uh, I was very surprised because it's a whole minute long, so people have spent one million minutes watching my channel. How many hours is that? One million divided by 60. <laughs> well, I okay, know if you okay. already knew that off the top of your head. 10 divided by 60 is 1.66. So, 1 million divided by 60. Okay, 1 million divided by 6 is... Multiply it by six. Point six, six. No, <laughs> I'm gonna use the calculator. On the <laughs> Neither of us are Tony Stark. Okay, <laughs> Emily, did you see the Brandon Sanderson Tony Stark spoof video? No, you'll have to send that to me. Okay, well, can I just describe it to you? Yes, describe it while you are using your calculator. So, uh, Brandon filmed a video for his social medias in which he got a bald cap on. And he is playing the part of Obadiah. And then someone else on the team is a scientist in a, in a trench coat. And Brandon's <laughs> got a copy of, I think, Secret Project 2 or 3 in his hand. He's like, Brandon Sanderson wrote four of these in a game <laughs> during COVID. <laughs> the other guy is like, well, I'm not Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one million divided by 60 is... 16,666.66 continuing. So it is 1.6. I just had to move the decimal spot <laughs> over by four. Amazing. So it's 16,666 and two thirds hours. How many nice. days is that, you ask? <laughs> that is 694 days. That's a, almost two years. Oh my gosh. How many weeks is that, you say? <laughs> That's 99 <laughs> weeks. Wait. <laughs> nope. Go back to. <laughs> Emily was right. It's two years. It's 100 and something weeks. Oh. Oh. Uh, 
I had so many plans for doing so many more social media TikToks because I was getting into such a huge swing of it in between Star Trek seasons. And then Star Trek started and I was like, this is how Matilda felt when she lost her magic powers. <laughs> I got to tell you, speaking of Star Trek, uh-huh. um, the Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds crossover happened. Uh-huh. So I'm a huge fan of Lower Decks for obvious reasons. I have never watched Strange New Worlds. I heard about it. I thought it was a show that was just coming out. I'm behind the times. I'm just that person. Anyways, long story short, I watched the crossover and I enjoyed it so much. I binged seasons, one and a half seasons of Strange New Worlds in like two days. It was great. And I'm having a very good time. And I, it might be, it might be one of my top three favorite Star Trek. It's shows. good. It's beautiful. It's good. Mm-hmm. There's handsome, beautiful people on that show too who are all very good actors with great hair. Yes. Tell me, tell me about your favorites amongst the Strange New World crew. <gasps> Erica Ortega's is one of my favorite characters. She hasn't had a ton of screen time. I wish she had way more. But I love her. I love Mabenga. I love Laon. I love. Captain Pike, like I love Una. I love what? Tell me about your favorite characters. Emily proceeds to list literally everyone on this show. I was looking for like one to three tops. Okay, but- Ortegas, Mbenga, and Laon. Those are my three okay. favorites. <laughs> Who's your favorite Lower Decks characters? Well, I love Boimler and Mariner, and Tendi and Rutherford. And Shax and Shaxx. Anna, and Captain <laughs> Freeman, and Ransom, and Dr. Miglimo, and Barnes, so who's good. on Helm, and Jet Manhaver, and, and Jennifer. <laughs> and Jennifer. <laughs> oh, they're so good. It's so good. I highly recommend that show to everyone. It's it's well done. Okay, this it is has such... made me cry multiple times. Multiple okay. times. I feel that this is such a good time to be a Trek fan because the currently airing shows are all so different from each other. So you hear somebody who's like, oh, I I really love this series, but I hate this series. Or like, this one's really good, but I hate this one. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Think of it instead as there is now a number of Treks to choose from instead of like, what if when Next Gen was airing, you hated it? Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't have any other Star Trek to choose from. So I'm yeah. more like, find the series, find the currently airing series you really, really love. Mm-hmm. And then just don't watch the other ones. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. You should watch all of Star Trek. <laughs> all of it. No, just watch what you like and then just ignore what you don't. Because I've, okay, the one thing that's made me sad is I'll see people being like, the crossover was so good, which is great because I hate Discovery's guts. And I'm like, oh, whoa. Oh, there, partner. <laughs> this doesn't is a play no into this at all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But we have an air date for season four of Lower Decks. Yay! It's September 7th. 7th. Okay, I was sort of close. All right, now for a show I actually do hate, but don't get to stop watching. <laughs> Wait, what if I told you that I could connect Roswell with Brandon Sanderson's stuff? Okay. Okay. Do it. The funniest thing happened. I say funny. Maybe just hilarious in the eternal scheme of things. So recently I went and hung out with some 
Brandon Sanderson friends. Uh, and as we we're there, we're having a good time chatting. And all of a sudden I hear Emily and I turn around. It's my friend from junior high that I was obsessed with, with Roswell. She was there with her family. And I was like, I have the funniest thing to tell you. I do a podcast about Roswell and I found our notebook and she was like, oh my gosh. And we talked for just briefly. Cause like I said, she was there with her family, yeah. but like, Anyways, it was so fun to see her. And I'm just like, do you remember Roswell? She's like, do I remember Roswell? I'm like, okay, I'm getting into season three. And she's like, oh, the one that got visited by the suck fairy. And I was like, yep, mm -hmm, that's the one. <laughs> so we chatted briefly about it, but just like, oh, it was like the universe was like, here, have a gift that you... That, you know, it's just for fun. It was really nice we to see her again. We should have her on as a special guest. I would love that. I'll have to get a hold of her again. And Maybe just be like, hey. when I potentially leave this show in a storming rage to never come back <laughs> and you have to get Dilly to fill in for me. <laughs> oh, which she has offered and I think would be so funny. Yeah. Listen, no. Listeners, I would never quit. But. I am directing Star Trek right now, and it is super heavy lifting work-wise. Mm -hmm. Like we're been... recording on a Sunday, and we, you know, we we did a big backlog of Roswell last time we recorded, and I don't think we've recorded Roswell for two months. Mm -mm. I don't yeah. think we have either. I don't think I've spoken to you, Megan, for like almost two weeks, <laughs> which is an eternity in in our our yeah. relationship, and just because you've been busy, which is. Yeah, and totally we had other family visit, and it was their turn to hang out with Aunt Megan. <laughs> I know I'm in, I'm super popular in my own family. She is. I'm in huge demand. Um, and so, listen, you guys, when the visiting family left, my sister who was visiting texted everyone to say, we're on the road. As soon as that text went through, Emily called me. <laughs> I was like, she's free! <laughs> and I didn't pick up because I was cleaning my house because I just had guests for a week. So, And you're going to have a guest, another guest soon. Yeah. Who is it? It's me! It's you! Okay, so let's, let's, do, let's do Roswell before my food gets here. Oh, that's right. Okay. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us, welcome. Get We're out. so happy. <laughs> Get out now. This is your last warning. This season is terrible. And Emily and I both hated this episode. We did. But it's a podcast where one sister has loved a TV show, a book, whatever, and loved it, loved it, loved it. And the other sister has refused to read or watch it. And so this is where that sister gets to sit down and ex enjoy it and experience it. And then we sit and talk about it. And apparently Emily never watched this season and she tricked <laughs> me into doing this podcast. And I'm glad that she's suffering as much as me right now. <laughs> I have seen the last episode of season three. So I know what's coming. I just don't know how we get there. But today we are going to talk about Roswell season three, episode seven, Interruptus. Not interrupt us. It's all one word. Interrupt us. I think it's supposed to be a pun. I think it is as well. Because today's episode is basically uh, Isabel and Jesse's wedding night. Which I feel is super risque for a, a teen TV show. But that's just my old 
my old lady coming out of me, my old lady that spent all day yesterday doing a puzzle and had a really good time doing it. Well, like, okay, so the show that I like to compare this the most to is Vampire Diaries. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you've got high school and the supernatural. And yeah. Vampire Diaries, they have the first time discussion a lot of like, oh, it's going to be our first night together. Anyway, I, I feel like shows that were made in the 2010s had a much easier time talking about sex than shows in the early 2000s did. But it's just awkward and weird about we're going to watch Isabel have sex with her 20, 30, 80 year old husband. <laughs> Better than 900 year old Grant Sorensen, don't you he say? He never had a chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Isabel technically also should be a senior this year, a high school senior. But she's not. She got married instead. And if you remember, the end of the last episode is she's dancing. It's her wedding. She's married after everything goes wrong. We're so happy to see this. And Kavar actually shows up. And Kavar shows up and is just like, you belong to me forever and always. Ah." And um, this episode, I thought that it was going to be a jump in time of just like, Hey, honeymoon's over. Now we can get back to alien shenanigans. This is great. Mm-hmm. No, we literally open with them packing their getaway car. Um, what did you just send me? What? <laughs> oh, no. Mine armor has fallen off me accidentally. It's by an artist named Oscar Vega, and my friend just sent it to me, so I thought you would like to see it. <laughs> I thought it was Dalinar, because he has a great <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I derailed. That was very funny. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> Anyways. We open up, they are loading up the, I say, the getaway car, the the car that's all decorated, says just married, and, uh, okay, it's also been two months since we've watched this, so bear with us, (laughs) but, uh, so Kyle knows, Kyle knows that Kevar has shown up, and he can't believe that Isabel is just going to pretend that nothing is wrong, because obviously, as Kyle goes around and talks to other people, he realizes they don't know anything. They don't know Kavar is there. They don't know anything's been going on at all. And Kyle is just like, why haven't you told them? And Isabel's just like, well, you're going to tell them after I'm gone. And I'm like, here's the thing. I kind of get, okay, I don't agree with it. I kind of get why Isabel doesn't do that, though, because she wants so desperately for some reason, to have a quote-unquote normal experience. And she knows that if she tells people Kavar is here, they will not let her go on her honeymoon. Of course they won't let you go on the honeymoon! The enemy is here! You numpty! But also, like, Max is the most horrible, controlling person of all time. Yeah. No one's having any fun this season, I feel like. Like, Liz no is being... any fun this season. No one's happy. Isabel's wedding was just fraught with angst the whole time mm-hmm. and yeah and like liz is under constant threat of being sent off to boarding school and fighting with her parents and 
Okay. Yeah, it's just, everyone's just sad. And like, I want an elegant grown-up wedding. And so I feel like Isabel's marriage feels fake to me. Because it was just, you can't marry a man you just met. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I think that's totally valid. And like, I know some people do it to like, they do cheap weddings to save money or whatever, or they just don't have the funds or whatever. But yet, like, yeah, I want a fancy ass wedding. That's what I want. I would love a museum wedding aquarium reception. <laughs> museum. Although, Evelyn, Evelyn, you know how I'm like, never a Disney wedding, never a Disney uh-huh. wedding. That's so uh-huh. cheesy. I just found out you can have the reception in the giant animation hall in California Adventure. <gasps> okay, that's a game changer. That super is. Especially if they turn off the turtle talk with Crush. <laughs> okay, dude and two dads, in 20 minutes, the the married couple is going to stand up and dance. Give them some shell. Yeah, no. <laughs> Do you know how much that costs? So much. Emily, a Disney wedding is on average $40,000. Even just for the venue? Yeah. Not like, not like you're, I mean, are you going to come down in a carriage? Or are you just going to like, everybody just I'm shows gonna up? I'm not going to have a Disney wedding. <laughs> but can you imagine dancing in there and having like the Tangled song play with all yeah, of I the. I can go dance in there anytime I want. I have an <gasps> annual pass. What if, what if you just tell everyone, show up to the to the animation thing at this time on a random day, a random time, and then just like a crowd of people just descends and we have a flash wedding reception. No, I'm not going to make 400 people buy a ticket to Disneyland. Listen, listen, I am all for one, a proposal at Disneyland two, a bachelorette party at Disneyland. A honeymoon at Disneyland. Maybe not a honeymoon at Disneyland. Maybe a honeymoon World. in Paris Disney or Tokyo Disney with other okay. things. Other things. I would like to go to a Disney park I've never been to on a honeymoon. Perfect. But no, I do not want the actual wedding at Disneyland because I want to be able to invite, you know, my elegant grown-up friends. <laughs> that is that is fair. That's totally now. Will fair. I wear my wedding dress to the Renaissance Fair? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> So, would you say, Megan, if you found out that a serial killer was on the loose, and because we discussed, we discussed what it takes to be a serial killer on our other Way of King. Yeah, it's on Emily's, you know, goals for unemployment. How to become a serial killer. (laughs) I'm just saying, if there was a serial killer on the loose that had a very personal connection to you, would you just ignore it and go on with life as as always okay i'm realizing now you're trying to tie this back into roswell and i'm like yes "Yes, i would uninvite the serial killer from my wedding (laughs) what if it was me though would you uninvite me i mean i'll i'll skype you in from jail (laughs) i would turn you in (laughs) only if you were a serial killer i would not help you keep dextering it okay as long as we know where i we will stand. say if you if you killed one person for good reasons like self-defense they were attacking you whatever i will help you cover up 
one body with my significant knowledge and skills. <laughs> I but get one murder. You get one murder from me. Okay. <laughs> hey, this is not a legally binding. We're joking. <laughs> this, this is, is not, not a legally binding thing. People who are listening to this 15 years from now saying, I always knew they were secretly evil. <laughs> no, you didn't. Things might change in the next five years to really twist us into something horrible. But as we are now, we're not serial killers. Not yet. Okay, let's talk about Roswell. Hey, Emily. Okay. Hey, Megan. You hated this episode too, right? I did. Okay. I did. It. Okay, so here's the thing. We're going to give you guys a quick overview Isabel uh, decides not to tell anyone that Kavara is around because she doesn't want anything to mess up her perfect idea of a perfect honeymoon. And so she and Jesse leave on the honeymoon. Kyle obviously tells people what's going on. Max and Michael head over to the honeymoon resort area to help keep everybody safe because Kavara is there, obviously, and he has shown up. And we get weird stuff that goes on with alien powers, and all of a sudden, Volandra is actually alive and living inside of Isabel, which that has never been, like, hinted at before. Like, they just kind of threw spaghetti at the wall to see what would fit, and I feel like they were like, hey, this is a huge thing that we need to address right this second and get Kavar out of the way so that we don't worry about him the rest of the season when I think he could have been, like, a really great villain for the whole season. Yeah. Of, like, it's literally their past. Come back to bite them. But, no, we have to, like, get rid of him in five minutes and call it good. Do you remember when I was like, great, this congresswoman will be a great recurring villain. And then she got killed the next episode. And then mm -hmm. I was like, ooh, we're going to learn so much from this FBI lady. And then she never came back again. And like Miss Miss Topolsky in season one would just like leave. And it's like they need a reoccurring villain in order to make their reoccurring problems seem heavier than they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because like. I'm We're pull seven episodes in. We haven't heard a peep from Tess. Yeah, nothing. We just Michael have been keeps told. getting visions from his son, but the audience doesn't get to see those. No, Michael does not get visions from his son. Can I quit the podcast now? <laughs> no. I mean, you Max could. <laughs> keeps getting visions from his son. But we talked about this in a previous episode where, like, the the audience hasn't seen. Any of the visions were just told what's going on. We don't even know the name of the kid. We don't even, like, we don't even have seen a picture of them. It's just, like, it's hard for the audience to care about this issue when everything's happening off screen. And so this is, listen, we did not like this episode, but it is very fun to talk about just to kind of be like, what are they thinking? Like, obviously, mm -hmm. like, I still want to give them, like, the benefit of the doubt a little bit because it's a new station they're trying to figure out new stuff but at okay, the but same time we're 30 percent yep. of the way through the season now yeah they don't have a lot of time to impress us so like yeah i think benefit of the doubt is now gone okay here's the thing i feel like isabel is staying true to her character from seasons one and two about being like such a hard ass about this is what i want this is what i'm gonna get but i also feel like 
this Isabel, she's not taking into account anyone's safety. She's being extremely selfish. And I don't feel like that's what Isabel is. I mean, she's the one that like did the, the charity drives at Christmas and was like voted like best in town and like most helpful and all of these things. Like she, I feel like she honestly genuinely cares about other people. And so for her to all of a sudden become a Disney Channel mean girl just I hated it I hated it where she's just like yeah Kavar was here I don't care I'm getting my honeymoon like no no he is a huge danger to everyone and the fact that she makes Kyle tell them was the worst because Kyle's the best and they were friends and they were bonding and that's just so like it was played for laughs but it was poorly it was it was a bad joke so we're a half hour in <laughs> four minutes in. Can we? Sorry, it's all right. It's all we right. Can, we can move ahead. Um, well, you had to talk about your dream Disney wedding. Okay, I'm being taken out of context here. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, listen, dear future spouse, if you're listening to this, I do not want a Disney wedding. I cannot be any more clear. <laughs> I think if you've dated me long enough, you know I like going to the park. To the point where it's like, that would be like having a wedding at the grocery store, <laughs> right? <laughs> There's a place you go all the time. Doesn't mean it's suitable for a wedding. Mm-hmm. Now the aquarium. <laughs> the aquarium's a different story. All right. So they get to the, they get to the resort where they're having their honeymoon. La Jolla, California. Yep. And he carries her in over the the threshold, and they're smooching on the bed. And then Isabel's like, wait, slow down. I'm not ready. And I'm like, this relationship is literally nothing but red flags. <laughs> Emily, well, do you the think thing. they will kill Again, off Jesse before the show is done? So I have seen the last episode, so I actually okay. know the answer to whether or not that happens. So I'm not going to say anything, but I want to know what you think. I wish they'd killed him off in this episode when he went into the shower <laughs> and, like, Kafar was creeping on him. Oh, well. So, at this point, I also want to point out, uh, Isabel has decided not to tell Jesse about her alien heritage, the fact that she's an alien, the fact that she has powers, the fact that also there are other people like that who have powers. Um, this was the worst decision I think she could have made. Yeah. I don't know how she would have told him. I don't know how she would have expected him to handle it. But I hate this. I hate the idea of starting something as important as a life together with a huge lie like this. Like, it's the worst. It's absolutely the worst. And, like, people tried to talk her in and out of other things. Like, obviously, Max doesn't want her to know. Um, Michael, I believe, also didn't want her to say anything. But I think it was Kyle that was like, hey... Has anyone that you've told run away? And, like, you can't decide how other people are going to react. But at the same time, like, I hated this. This completely ruined Isabel's character for me as her deciding to keep this a secret. Because, one, this puts him in incredible danger. He doesn't know to be on the lookout for anybody or anything or danger or anything like that. He doesn't know what he's getting into. She has completely screwed up his life by doing this. Yeah. And 
I mean, like, we even see here, his life was in danger from Kavar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, no, don't tell him. So this, uh, this shower that I've been uh, foreshadowing is Isabel is not ready to be intimate, so she falls asleep on the bed, and while she's sleeping, he leaves a note for her, uh, and he goes to the... What, does he go golfing first, or does he hit the shower? Golfing. Golfing yeah. or the spa or something, yeah. And it's so ominous, and when he was in the bathroom, I'm like, oh my gosh, are they gonna kill him? Are they gonna kill him this episode? Because, like... He's in the spa. He's not in the shower. Oh, okay, yeah. 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 So much steam in the sauna. And then Isabel wakes up and there's a note he left and he says, oh, yeah, I will be back around, what, like three? And Mm -hmm. it's 530 when she looks at the clock. Yeah, yeah. So now here's a red flag for him because he left her a note. He said he would be back at this time and he has found a new friend on his honeymoon and he has just stayed out chatting with this friend instead of going back to his brand new wife like he promised. Yeah. And so she thinks also that he must be dead. At this point, it would serve Isabel right if Jesse had been killed in this episode. It would have. I'm sorry. That's how I feel. Well, you think three dead men in her love life is a good number? <laughs> Maybe she'll learn to be, she'll be, learn to cherish them and take care of them better rather than, oh, hey, my mortal enemy that I, you know, betrayed everyone for is here. Did you say mortal enemy? Yes. Okay. I heard fertile enemy and I was like, no, that's Tess. Anyway, the friend that Jesse has made is Kavar. Uh, is here, obviously, to torment Isabel, and I don't know what else he wants to do, get revenge, but basically he's just like, hey, I've been looking for you forever. Because he, he gets Jesse sick somehow, so Jesse has to run away to the hotel room so that he can dance with, he can dance with Isabel. You can dance if you want to. (laughs) you can leave your husband behind and he is just trying to convince her i don't know what his plan is he's just trying to convince her like you're volandra you're not this isabel person like forget that forget your husband come meet me by the water at this point like like it was just a i'm so sorry i'm gonna say it. it was a badly written rushed job yeah yeah i i wish okay here's what i wish i wish that isabel had been on edge on her honeymoon the whole time and Mm -hmm. that the boys had shown up to to mess things up as they do you know the whole time but there's no sign of kavar and they're like we're worried over nothing and there's all this focus on the honeymoon and then they get back to roswell and kavar has done away with someone there (gasps) oh that would have been good thank you thank you when I rewrite the Roswell re- <laughs> reboot in 10 years. <laughs> um, yeah, because here's the thing is Kavar is trying to get Isabel to remember their past life and like her being Volandra and how much in love with they are. And we keep getting flashbacks to these sexy dreams that uh, Isabel has been having over the course of the season, I guess over the course of like one episode. Um 
And, okay, this is what I hated. Okay, and this is going to make me sound super judgy, and I get it, and I deserve this. But, like, I don't get, I don't get storylines when people are like, oh, I had to sleep with this person. I had no choice. They seduced me into it, and I lost all control, and I just had to sleep with them. Don't you get it? Don't you understand? I had to. And that's what I feel like Kavar is doing is being like, remember our sexy times together and remember me. And like, and so Isabel goes down in like a negligee to meet the man she used to sleep with that she doesn't remember, but is being seduced away. Like Isabel has way more self-control than that. At least that's how I feel. I thought they were kind of playing it that he was hypnotized, like he was literally hypnotizing her. Because she was talking to Max about it later, and she's like, I can't, I literally can't resist him. I thought Kavar was using alien magics on Isabel. Okay, I like that better, because that would make more sense for me with Isabel, rather than just like, oh, my hormones said yes, but I didn't want to. Um, But did you talk about how she magically, how long she magically locked Jesse in the bathroom? No. Well, she magically locks Jesse in the bathroom for a really long time. Well, first she sends him down and is like, "I wait, oh, is it was the pineapple drink here or later?" I think it's later. Okay, yeah. So she locks Jesse in the bathroom, and so that's when go she goes down to Kavar her in her literally her wedding lingerie. Yes, Kavar has invited Valandra to come back to their home world he's like we don't need a ship it's a new way of transportation leave everything you know behind and they kiss out by the christmas lights gazebo and that's when max and michael show up (laughs) watching isabel kiss kavar under the magic gazebo so they're just like well we'll just kill him that's the plan we'll kill this dude that's not a good plan not a good plan they're on their way to becoming serial killers they're they're bad with their alien powers they like they're not gonna have the advantage over kavar like that's for sure mm-hmm. um and so isabel like she hasn't seen that they're there yet she heads back up to her room and to to let jesse out and her feet are now just filthy yeah just covered in nasty yeah, yeah. um and someone knocks at the door as they're about to get intimate. Okay, 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 listen. I feel the real-life metaphor this episode was going for is Isabel is nervous for her first time having sex. She's nervous to be intimate with Jesse. And Kavar is like a safe option because mm-hmm. they've been together before. Yeah. And... So we see her and Jesse almost get together several times. And she's like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. She's still going back to Kavar. But, like, it it wasn't written very clearly. It was a very Mm -hmm. boring episode to watch, even with, like, the almost murder and the may. Anyway, what was it we really. Okay, I'm trying to get down to the bottom of why we just disliked how this episode was built. For me, it was a boring episode, and we were just yelling at Isabel, don't do it the whole time. Yeah, I think a lot of it is that she is just being deliberately stupid. 
they've written her this way to just be like only what I want matters when clearly that's Max's shtick you know this is it felt like a Max episode there I said it but yeah and at one point this is the part I hated the well there were two parts I hated the most this is one of them where Max and Michael have already shown up they give the audience a fake out. I can't remember if this was a dream Isabel had or if it was just her thinking her way through it. I think it was but her thinking. They play it as if Max, Michael, and Isabel sit down with Jesse and tell him, hey, we're aliens, and they prove it. And he absolutely freaks out and tries to escape. And they're like, see, that's why we don't tell people. But that doesn't actually happen. Like, I think that trope is useful sometimes like here we go spoilers for breaking dawn part two (laughs) the very end i'm serious this is the very end this is the huge the huge spoiler at the end um the way that they defeat end up defeating the volturi is alice shows arrow yeah michael sheen shows him a vision of like hey if you fight us you specifically will die but in the books we're just told that's what happens. In the movie, they play out the whole battle and we see Carlisle die. We see, I want to say we see Seth die. We see several key members die. But it's played off as though this is happening in real time. And as that shock kind of wears off from the audience, that was a really good way of having a bunch of action where there really wasn't any in the book. So what I'm saying is this fake out there's no real stakes in this book. Mm-hmm. Sorry, in this show. Kavar feels like a cartoon villain at this point because we haven't actually seen him do anything bad. Except, I mean, like kiss Isabel against her will, which that's awful and terrible and I hated that as well because that happens multiple times. He's just gross. They're, they're, uh, here's the thing. Max, Michael, and Isabel are the bad guys in this episode. Because they're keeping information from Jesse that he needs to survive. And they're just being like, oh, we're playing God with his life. Ha ha ha. It's what we do all the time. And so the second thing that I hated uh-huh. is Kavar somehow brings forward a secret hidden personality from Isabel and kicks Isabel it's almost like he kicked Isabel out and Volandra comes in and Volandra has black eyes. That actually scared me. Like to the point yeah. that like I had to sit and like, cause it was, it was like a jump scare sort of a thing. But anyway, he's convinced her to come with him or something, but they've got to go and like take this portal home. And like Jesse is out there chasing her. Like he loves her. Like it's played mm-hmm. up that she just doesn't care about him at all. But Jesse genuinely loves Isabel. And I think Isabel just like took this marriage because she didn't know what to do with her life. That's what it is. That's yeah. what it feels like to me is Isabel yeah. didn't know what to do with her life. So she's like, if I change it a bunch, then it'll be fine. Here I married somebody. Why doesn't my life feel any better? Yeah, it, it, it definitely felt reactionary. And we even saw, like, her speeding up the engagement to the wedding in reaction to how mad she was at Max and her parents that, like, I don't think she really loves Jesse. Yeah. Like, the show is going to tell us that she does, but, like, 
her and Jesse are so early on in their relationship. Have they, they've probably known each other, what, like six months? If that. And now she's like kind of facing consequences of her actions, which are, I have to sleep with my new husband. And she's <laughs> not ready for it. And it's yeah. sad. Like, there's another pit. And this is this is the, the drink we were talking about. They're about to get intimate again. And she's like, actually, can you go get me one of those really fancy cocktails with the pineapple in it, with the alcohol in it? I think if I have some alcohol, I'll be ready. She's 18. She's not. She's not ready. Oh, and it's so sad. And I'm so mad at this show for taking the Isabel we met in season one and just like hitting that version of Isabel harder and harder and harder instead mm-hmm. of letting her grow and like actually find out who she is away from Max and her brothers. I wish she had gone to college, right? Mm-hmm. If Jesse was, okay, if Jesse was a guy she had met at college instead of a dude who works for her dad in her hometown, I would have liked this so much better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let her meet this handsome Latin man as she's going to school in like Seattle or something who loves her he really loves her like at one point she's she's left he's out on the grounds of the of the resort looking for her runs into max and michael and he's like what are you guys doing here they're like oh we're here for school lessons and he's like okay why are you here and they're just like oh it just sounded so fun and he's like where's isabel and they're like we don't know she's your wife go find her and he they like leave and he runs to follow them and Max just goes, Michael. Michael's like, on it. And Michael uses his power to dump over a wheelbarrow full of tools. And so Jesse falls over them and injures himself to keep him from chasing after them to find his wife. Like, they they played Jesse this episode like a, like so a 90s. Yeah, like a 90s dad in a sitcom of just like so oblivious, so whatever. And when he like honestly has... Uh, a a genuine emotional reaction they're just like don't worry about it you're stupid well i don't like jesse either because he's 26 and he married an 18 year old (laughs) yeah yeah he's on my list anyway (laughs) so this this all culminates in kavar has Valandra back and like you said isabel's eyes she's got like super wide black sclera and he's about to lead her out of here and then jesse shows up and tries to fight Kavar, and Kavar drops what drops a branch on him. Yeah, like just absolutely just knocks him out stone cold. Mm-hmm. Even though he's seen like all this magic and stuff, and it's it's uh, Michael and Max also show up, and they're not able to help save the day. Uh, Isabel shines through Valandra, and she's able to shove Kavar into this teleportation device. Mm-hmm. And turns out am i wrong i'm kind of fast forwarding to get there but um is this guy just being possessed this guy's just being possessed like that dude Larrick. Larrick, who possessed mm-hmm. spiky hair brody mm-hmm. so they they shove um kavar into this beam and like the actual kavar part gets slurped out of the dude and then michael and max just tell him oh you got abducted by aliens go home to your wife and family yeah he becomes this clown. Yeah. And so Jesse wakes up later from being knocked unconscious by the tree. I don't think they used any healing powers on him either. That boy has a concussion. <laughs> and 
He wakes up and Isabel's just like, you protected me from the scary bad man who was stalking us on our honeymoon. And he's like, I did? And she's like, yep. And they just, they just go on and pretend like it didn't happen. And then they finally sleep together. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this marriage is built on nothing but lies and deception. Mm -hmm. And... It was so uncomfortable and so weird. Like, I I also would have loved this episode a lot more if Jesse found out about the alienness and still loved her. Like, that mm-hmm. would have helped prove, like, her fears of being rejected when he finds out about the aliens. I would have loved that so much more. But it's sort of like we hit a reboot button on it where Jesse's still in the dark. Don't worry, our, like, secret is safe. Yeah, nothing happens in this episode. I mean, you know technically like i feel like by the end of an episode like this there should be a paradigm shift like either jesse should have known or suspected or something but no it's just we're we're in the same it's the same as the beginning they're married he doesn't know she's not going to tell him like nothing changed in their relationship status quo doesn't change yeah so the other storyline is the parents are finally suspicious finally Although, listen, I'm going to say the kids have done, up to this point, a very good job at keeping their parents in the dark. Like, well done. That's because none of the parents cared up till now. But now that the Mm -hmm. kids are, like, talking back to them and and acting out, the parents are like, there must be a reason. Mm -hmm. And I hate all this storyline, too. Yeah. Um, So Kyle's the one that figures it out first. Because Cause Kyle's dad, the best. Because Kyle's the best. Max's dad comes to talk to the sheriff and was like, I heard you hung out with my kids a lot last year. And that's <laughs> why you got fired? <laughs> and uh, do you have any records of what you were going into? And and, and we heard there's this girl, Tess. And Tess and Max dated and she lived at your house. Where's Tess? Can we get contact information from her? Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like the parents are doing too little too late and they're coming yeah. in way too hot on this. And it's just it's just going to be bad, right? It's just going to be bad. It's just going to be sad. It's a grown man asking for the contact of a teenage girl who no longer lives in the state. Yeah. Just looks bad. Just looks really bad. And the, the sheriff's just like, yeah, sure. She's with her aunt. I'll get you the contact information. You should have said, I will ask if she wants to be contacted by you because yeah. you're a grown man who has nothing to do with her. Yeah. So Kyle is back telling Liz and Maria what's going on. And that's when they're also getting some information about about the, the other storyline. But so Liz now is the one kind of on the lookout for what the parents are looking for and like what the parents are doing. And they're also the one who find out that Kavar is possessing a real person. So she calls Max and Michael at some point being like, Hey, you can't kill him. His name is Denny, which is very funny because in Grey's Anatomy, uh, Isabel's guy (laughs) is named Denny. (laughs) Nice. And we also know that like the parents are asking questions. Now I got to say Max leaving the house has been the storyline that has just annoyed me the most this season. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, especially the amount of, like, rage and control his parents have, like, his dad has shown since he's left. I'm like, he's 18. He's moved out of the house. Not Mm -hmm. necessarily, like, get over it, but, like, you are going about fixing your relationships all the wrong 
ways. Yeah. And, like, these dad... Okay, so specifically Max's dad and Liz's dad, they're doing, like, the exact same Max did last season, which is exerting more authority and more control, trying to, like, bring these other characters in. And it's, like, they're so unsympathetic as characters and so, like, frustrating in how they're approaching this that I just don't... I... I ugh... We'll, well see. We'll see what the next episode brings too. They're making the parents into the villains. Yeah. And I really, I hate that. I hate that so much as a as a story plot of just like, okay, they're they're literally just trying to figure out what's going on and keep their kids safe because obviously something's going on. But the way it's being played up is the parents are sneaking around. They're lying to their kids. They're talking about the kids behind the back. The kids know this. Yeah. Um, and so when like the when like the kids try and find out what's going on, they are told like I think Liz is told, oh, we did some investing with the Evans, and he just wanted to talk about the in, the investment. And so th- the kids know this is stupid and not really what's going on. And Liz, I believe, sneaks into Mr. Evans's office and finds like a conspiracy wall with like the timeline of what's going on and like how things have been so weird for like two Mm -hmm. years. And so like, and so all of a sudden the parents are becoming the villains. The parents are becoming like the FBI who are trying to find out who the aliens are, even though they don't know that they're aliens Mm -hmm. trying to find out what Max and Maria and Liz and Isabel and Michael have all been up to, but the parents have replaced the FBI as the bad guys. Yeah. And it's so funny to me that this conspiracy board in Mr. Evans's office is set up like a screenwriter's uh, season-long arc board, which is very funny. <laughs> They've got, like, the same kind of note cards. And even, like, there are some script pages up on his, like, decoy board. So here are some of the things that I can read. What is Max up to? Uh, <laughs> co-conspirators... Liz, Tess, uh, Utah, covering for Max's lies. Max and Tess dating. Staying with Valenti's, question mark. Parents, question mark. Per Jeff, which this this isn't uh, very clear because the quality of the Hulu is a little fuzzy. But it's a, a list of dates where it's like Liz something sends something. Names and dates, all the sort of thing. Max. Jeep, missing, school, absences, Utah, missing school, these dates, why did she leave, out east, your son. So anyway, they're just, they're, they're putting together over season one and two, all the dates that Max has been gone and his alibi was camping, but his real location was the Empire State Building because they found his stupid ticket. He left it in his pocket. <laughs> so... There you go. What is Max hiding? We'll find out. Well, we know, but they'll find out. They'll find out. Will they, though? Should they? I don't know. I don't know. All right. Um, Everyone, thank you so much for sticking around and uh, going through this journey with us uh, through Roswell, the 1999 version. Uh, next time we get together, we will be talking about Roswell season three, episode eight, behind the music. Uh, Meg, I accidentally looked at the uh, episode description of this, so I'm going to have you guess what you think this episode is about. Sheriff Valenti's band. 
(gasps) And someone sending secret messages through songs from back home. Nice. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch this with you. I was actually kind of sad that like this season was like going so poorly, but I also love talking about it and talking about how much we hate it together. I feel like we're bonding over this. It's uh, we could bond over anything, though. (laughs) So I'm really looking forward to bonding with you over something else in like 10 episodes. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to get back to doing my dishes. Uh, I'm going to eat my lunch, which just arrived. (sighs) Megan, that sounds so fun. And I know you can do it because... Because I've done it before. (laughs) And and I believe in you. Oh, thank you. I believe in you, too. (laughs) Ready? Break! Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to My Sister Made Me View at the Roswell 1999 edition. Um... Yes, things are getting interesting, aren't they? <laughs> um, hopefully they will get more interesting in a much better sense of the term. Anyways, uh, again, we're so happy you're here, so happy you've been listening to us, and we want to share some really fun big news is that we are getting ready to launch our Patreon in the next couple of weeks. And just a brief overview, there are going to be three levels. Uh, level one is $3, and it is the We Believe in You level. And, and when you sign up for that one, you're going to get access to our exclusive Discord channel. You can chat with us and other fans about the different shows and books we're covering. Uh, you can join us in hyperfixating on, you know, other stuff we're reading outside of the, the podcast. And uh, you will also get access to bloopers and live reads in addition to a channel where you can submit questions where Meg and I will answer them during recording sessions. So that will be really, really fun. The next level is Friend of the Pod at $7. You get everything from uh, level one plus early access to the episodes. You will be getting your episodes on Monday. The other people will have to wait until at least Thursday. And then tier three, uh, $12, Honorary Sabine. You get everything from level one and level two. Plus, Meg and I will be doing a monthly patron live stream, like a Zoom meeting. Uh, we don't know what we're going to do each month. We may watch a movie. We may do a video game playthrough. Maybe make the most random recipe we can find, that sort of thing. Um, you will also be voting on which projects you want to see us cover next. And this is my favorite one. You are going to have access to an exclusive patron only feed uh, where we are going to be covering, drumroll please, we're going to be covering all the Marvel movies and TV shows. So basically the MCU and that is something that only level three honorary siblings get. Um, so we're working on putting that together. Yeah, we're going to launch that in a couple weeks and I will have more information on that later. Uh, but in closing, we just want to say again, a big thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm. Uh, we use that on all of our feeds right now. We are doing, um, obviously, the Roswell. We have our Stormlight Archives, the Brandon Sanderson books. We just finished book two. We're getting into book three, Oathbringer, which is so good. And then our miscellaneous feed, which I'm actually going to be posting the next episode next week. And it's going to be one to watch. It's a book by Kate Stamen London. And Meg and I are going to talk about that and share our thoughts with you. Um, So anyways, 
Hope you guys have a great day. And uh, remember, we believe in you.